free drop here, no doubt. Yeah, free drop. Whoa, that thing came out sideways. Drove it into the penalty area. Whoa, yeah. Oh, that was a shank. It's hard to believe watching this. Made an unbelievable bogey in the drop zone. Folks, good evening. Happy Sunday. Welcome to the drop zone. This is your, I guess, your co-pilot speaking. Dylan Chair here with hey, Sean Zock. If you want to be captain, just say it. Well, look, I am bringing us in today. Um, fun show today. The PGA Tour is still in process, as they say. They, uh, it's going to be a Paul Casey, Phil Mickelson at Pebble situation. They are not going to finish until Monday, no matter what someone wants. <laughs> Except um, neither of those guys will be anywhere near Pebble. They sure won't. They sure won't. Uh, we have a fun show today. We're going to talk about Pebble. We're going to talk about Netflix. We're going to talk about Phil Mickelson. Talk about the Swilkin Bridge, I believe. Um, let's get into it, Sean, but let's start with some headlines. My first headline here, top of the newspaper. Phil is back, question mark. What does this mean? <laughs> Phil's back on Twitter, at the very least. That's what it means. Uh, he played golf this week, too, at the Saudi International. People uh, that have been thirsty for some live golfers right people that have been diving into the comments to say that cam smith is a top three player in the world well here was your chance this is live preseason that's what the saudi international is i i think like there are probably like 40 live golfers that were taking part in this thing um it's a tournament that is sponsored by the public investment fund saudi arabia which is also the same fund that is uh cashing these dudes uh, that is writing these dudes' paychecks. So uh, it's no surprise that that's how live golfers start their season. But Cam Smith missed the cut. Phil Mickelson missed the cut. Um, and instead, Phil was just really back on Twitter, um, sending out barbs, sending out emojis, kind of talking trash, kind of um, elevating some topics uh, in a very vague way. He gave a press conference before the tournament. And he gave an exclusive interview to, to Bob Herrig from Sports Illustrated. And I couldn't help but notice, Dylan, that he was kind of being, I don't know if the right word is cryptic, but some of his messaging has been kind of like, hey, guys, I'm happy to be back because later this year, there will be some things brought to light. There's going to be some accountability. There's going to be some transparency. And it's not going to come from me, is what Phil said. I couldn't help but notice he said that to Bob Herrig. He tweeted it um, uh, to another golf writer. And then he also said it in his press conference. And so I realized that Phil was back because I screenshotted all these things, tweeted them out. And I said, Phil Mickelson keeps saying there's going to be accountability and transparency. And then eight minutes later, Phil got after me on Twitter yeah. and he said, thought you were smarter than that thinking emoji. Everything shouldn't have to be spelled out and spoon fed for you. Do a little journalistic work and figure it out. End tweet, send tweet, um, which truly did not bother me at all. Um, Phil has had his way on, Twitter replies throughout his career, sometimes doing it to journalists. And I thought it was quite funny. Um, 
didn't really yeah. care too much. I, I I tossed a little barb back his way, talking about the redacted court documents and alluding to the fact that I really have been chasing after this uh, this storyline for quite a while. So I don't know. Yeah, you're not gonna ever win that world. battle. We've learned. We've uh, the, if you go golf media member versus uh, professional golfer, that one generally doesn't go well for the golf media member um on social media but you know i think you hung in there very nicely yeah i think that phil is back in the spotlight but to your point it's clear he thinks some sort of reckoning is coming or at least even if he doesn't think that he is certainly representing that um that there is some kind of reckoning coming for the pga tour he seems confident that what's he talking about that there is a ruling that will go against the pga tour i mean i think he's talking about uh, something related to collusion or monopoly or one of these big words that uh, <laughs> I don't know. That's what he. I don't, that's what he's supposed to not, believe, which is fine. That's that's what I kind of took away from it is that Phil has put himself in a position. Uh, first off, the the original lawsuit in which he and a number of live golfers were suing the PGA Tour was titled Mickelson et al. versus the PGA Tour. This is what Phil is supposed to believe, that there is wrongdoing by the PGA Tour. This entire thing was rooted in the fact that Phil thought the media rights were not being uh, paid out structurally enough to the players. So this is what Phil's supposed to think. Um, There is also the Department of Justice investigating uh, anti-competitive practices. And so that is... uh, adjacent to the actual like civil lawsuit um it's not clear what phil's necessarily referring to because he's so uh veiled in his messaging but this is a thing like you can't talk about phil and live golf without mentioning these things that's my uh reminder to golf fans at this point like i you know I've, i've probably bothered you with it i've spent too much time looking at lawsuit documents court documents trying to understand who's going to win that battle because it's going to help determine the future of pro golf and if these two sides can coexist. And like people will tweet at me, email me, give it up, let live be, let them exist. And I understand why they are fatigued with the headlines, but Phil isn't shying away from the headlines. Phil's saying these things in a very ambiguous way. And so People need to not look at Phil and and act like he's innocent. Like like he is not giving up on this fight just because he pulled his name off of the uh, the lawsuit doesn't mean he's not extremely still involved in various things that are happening. The federal investigation is ongoing. Like the DOJ, yeah, is c- continually doing this. This is not going away. It's going to continue to be in the headlines. And that's just a little corner of the live PGA tour battle. And I just don't want people to forget about it and act like it's just a golf versus golf thing. Right. I mean, yeah, we, we were talking about, you know, we were talking last week about how now this is product versus product and um, how the tours have now sort of set, set it up that way. But it's clear that Phil is thinking a lot about what's going to happen in the courtroom too. And whether there are indeed anti-competitive uh, things that will come out there that will be in some way damaging to the PGA Tour. I think ultimately the goal there would be that live players would not be banned from the PGA Tour, correct? Yeah, I think that's like the long con victory for Phil in his mind is that at some point 
there will be a ruling against the PGA Tour. PGA Tour executives will be uh, accused of collusion. There will be maybe some lobbying practices that were deemed uh, unsavory um, with congressmen and women. And uh, at some point there will be like the PGA Tour will be required to change its regulations in this instance toward the live golfers that were suspended last year. That's like the long con victory in Phil's mind. I don't see it happening. Um, but I think at the very least reputationally, Phil could still like stand to gain because he's like as low as he's ever been. My opinion, maybe, maybe a year ago was as low as he's ever been. Um, yeah. and then, and then once again, June was maybe as low as he's ever gotten and he's worked his way up a little bit, but, um, on social media, people terrorize him. Like he admitted that that's where the vitriol and animosity that he feels it's not in person, it's on social media. And so the court right. of public opinion is no longer necessarily in his favor. And just because time has passed has not made them more in his favor, but if we get to a point where the Department of Justice rules the PGA Tour is a monopoly and being anti-competitive, people will turn closer to Phil and and maybe be like, hey, you know what? He was right about this or that a little bit more than we thought or wanted to give him credit for. And reputationally, he could boost. Um, that would be a more of a minor victory, but he, the guy could use a couple yeah. minor victories at this point. Well, he has talked about how uh, unburdening himself of being, you know, the the face of that lawsuit has been beneficial, and he he's realized he doesn't have to like fight that battle on his own or whatever. On Google, but he's still clearly fighting it. <laughs> he's still like, and man, some of these guys, Phil is. I feel like he's his greatest ally and also his greatest enemy when he logs on. Um, <laughs> I mean, I'm sure he's listening to this right now. I know he's a big Drop Zone I, fan. I hope so. You Phil, know what? What's crazy is it's not out of the realm of possibility that he would. Oh no, I was tune being in. serious. <laughs> Phil, you you got to be careful on there because look, we saw. I mean, early morning for me, really early morning for me. Phil sends up a tweet about oh the the praising the Saudi international for matching the men's and women's purses this year. And basically saying it's a lot of people talk about equality for men and women here. Here's a company actually doing it, uh, which got roundly dunked on and <laughs> he deleted it before too long. Um, yeah. and then, you know, got back in the mix, like throwing barbs at tiger for, Oh yeah. You can take a cart if we play a match and, saying to one guy oh this is just guys talking ma'am like like what are you what are you doing man some of that yeah. stuff is like just comes off as kind of crass and thoughtless and not really in a funny way more in like a out of touch way um and then there's obviously the parts of phil being on twitter that are funny and engaging and you know, back when he was like winning the PGA championship and he and Twitter was still relatively new to him and he would just go on these tirades and he would go back and forth with people and it was kind of all good. And there's still a hint of that, but there's just also this like conspiratorial arc to it. And there's this um, there's a little bit of, I don't know, combativeness to it all now that yes. kind of speaks and to where we are in the world. And that is what worries me. I am happy to be the initial sacrificial lamb on this front. Like if if he if he dunked on me a little bit, certainly a number of his followers enjoyed that. We had a little back and forth. 
that's fine. But what happens when he really pisses somebody else off or gets like really stands behind a point and doesn't delete a tweet like you discussed? Like how how plausible is that scenario? I think it's pretty plausible um, if he continues as he as he was this week. And so remember a week ago when we were sitting in these chairs talking about it and I said it reminds me of the Michael Jordan uh, anti-drugs promo where Jordan's like, stop it. Get some help. <laughs> I'm gonna just going to reiterate it, man. Stop it. Log off. Get someone to take your phone away from you. There's no room to gain there, I don't think. Do it in a press conference when people will actually take you seriously and ask you fair questions. As for the Saudi international itself, Sean, you kind of touched on this, but a bit of a weird week. I mean, on, on the one hand, a bunch of these live guys did play well, but I mean, the initial big names, like the the headliners, Phil missed the cut uh, by just one. Bubba Watson missed the cut by a couple. Cameron Smith missed the cut. Bryson really did not play well. Shot 72-75, <laughs> missed the cut by a bunch. So a bunch of the headliners did not play well, but then uh, Abraham Answer did go wire to wire. Cameron Young and Lucas Herbert, who were two of the three PGA Tour players in the field, uh, finished second and third. So I guess a strong showing from the PGA Tour. Paul Casey finished fifth. He, Paul Casey is sneakily one of the uh, guys that left for live that was in pretty good, good form. form. Yeah. Um, when he was healthy. So I can't that's was, kind of the. I can't remember if it was last week or, or the week before that when I said, like, the buck is kind of on Bryson now and Brooks and some of the highest paid players that are making the live tour you guys have to substantiate your product. Your product is not great if, you know, Abe answers, he's a great player. He's a, he's a very good golfer. But mm -hmm. if, if Bryson isn't pushing Abe answer through the course of the live season, what is your, well, it's Bryson's value there. It's not like there, it, it can't be what he's been paid to play on that tour and it's just a lot harder to take it seriously when the biggest names aren't playing that well. Well, and it's also a reminder that a tournament with big names and not much else uh, going for it does not really make waves. I mean, yeah, Phil having a press conference made some news this week. There was not a lot of chatter about the Saudi international, I would say, or about Abe Answer's win. Um, but made a million dollars. Cameron Young made... 500k and will now take that half mil with him to <laughs> phoenix um but yeah it's this weird situation where there's there was also a, a dp world tour event this week and then of course there's the action at pebble which uh was a <laughs> severely weakened field um ratings continue to be down i think people like to uh people love using tv ratings to back up whatever their their current uh i don't know whatever their current narrative that? would would be have you ever have cared I? about tv ratings i think it's an interesting way to tell stories about what's happening in sports but i think that what i think the narrative lining up with the tv ratings is almost always like way too convenient like the nfl thing of like oh yeah people aren't watching anymore it's too political like that never really bore out uh, in the numbers. And right now numbers are down across 
live sports. I mean, Aussie Open was way down. They are not split politically because of <laughs> Liv. So I don't know. Daniel Gavin's won on the DP World Tour. Shout out to him. Not a great weekend for the Hoygaard twins who were both in contention but shot 73 on the final day. Anyway, Sean, our second headline, the pebble problem question mark? <laughs> I wouldn't even uh, – like this was predictable. You could have predicted this three months ago, right, when pebble was not announced as a designated event and yep. indeed, indeed was going to be – uh, proceeding two in a row at Phoenix and the Genesis. Um, this was always going to be a tougher one. Um, and it's been trending that way for years as more and more players are taking money to go play uh, the Saudi International. But I think it was a bad week for Pebble just out of coincidence of kind of how it played out, right? Like it played out on the weekend in an extremely weird way where high winds would have probably made it pretty entertaining to watch. You'd have gotten some really cool social clips of players hitting seven irons into the seventh hole, hundred yard downhill hole at Pebble beach. Um, you know, I think some of the most memorable rounds in Pebble beach history were like Brant Snedeker shooting under par in just like <laughs> horrific conditions or that one time that Colt Nose did not want to hit a putt and then made birdie from like, 60 feet away um we had potential for that. was at the farmers but whatever oh, damn it that's probably right the California. point remains the point remains that we had potential for like a really fun kind of weekend and then saturday turned into um just this war on the ninth green where balls couldn't stay still and uh you shut down one hole on one course and it shuts down all play on all three courses, then it suddenly turns back onto, well, how many amateurs do we need out here? Do we need the amateurs in the fourth round? They take the amateurs away for the final round and it becomes a really difficult thing to conclude play on all three courses. And then suddenly, yeah, now we're going to have a Monday finish. Um, and players are WDing left and right because they want to get to Phoenix to play in a $20 million purse event. And also to, play in the local qualifier or the Monday qualifier for that event. And so it's, I felt like Pebble could, could, could exist and have a fun little week. And then it really went downhill on the weekend. Um, so it wasn't a good weekend. It wasn't a good week for, for this event. Um, does it change anything though? I don't think so. It's a little bit of a funny spot on the schedule. And I think this is a reminder of that, but I think once Phoenix was elevated for this season. Once that was made a designated event, this was inevitable, to your point. Um, Aren't there always going to be weird spots in the schedule? Like, I, that's one thing I don't yes. want to get into a habit of doing is being like, oh, well, there's not a lot of players show up because it's a weird spot in the schedule. Then thus this event isn't doing well. Events can still do well. I think it's a bigger thing that players, they play in pro-ams every single week and they just maybe don't want to do it for an entire week. Um, it might not be your thing. Pebble can stay Pebble, but it's not going to have this like high ranking value that people have attributed to it over the years. I think that it's just this, uh, I think there's a real resistance to accepting the fact that some tournaments are going to be diminished because others are being elevated, which is the, that is the thing. That's the whole thing. That's the whole point of these PGA tour changes is that some events are going to be better. And as a result, others are going to be less important and they can still be cool. 
I've been having a fun time watching Pebble, even though the uh, the leaders are Peter Malnati and and Keith Mitchell and uh, Justin Rose has made a surge to the top of the leaderboard. Like, yes, it does not have the same caliber that next week will have. But yeah, that's kind of the whole point. Um, it's funny also, it's, this was a great stat from, from Doug Ferguson, uh, that Hank Lebiota played 11 consecutive rounds on the PGA tour on 11 different golf courses. Oh, so how is, is that even possible? Fascinating. All right. So I looked at it. So he missed the cut at the farmers. So he played the North and South at Torrey Pines. So that's two. <laughs> then he played three, three different courses this week. Um, that was uh, so that gets you up to five. Before the farmers, he played the American Express, That's three which more. means he played three different courses and then missed the cut there, so he didn't repeat on the uh, the stadium course there. So what that gets us up to eight. Yeah. And then he played the RSM before that, missed the cut. Does that have two different that has, courses? That has there. Two courses. <laughs> yeah. So and then before that, he played. Uh, and in Bermuda, so that that the yeah. second round in Bermuda would get you to eleven. And wow. before that, he played Bermuda. He played uh, Port Royal two rounds in a row. So anyway, the RSM was the end of uh, the twenty twenty two year. This is the twenty twenty three year. But it, it is a reminder that we're in a little bit of a funky spot on the schedule anyway, where we're playing these tournaments that go across different courses, and you know we're we've got celebs in. We forget that there's AMs in the Amex too. I feel like, it, like that the Pebble you celebrity why? portion. Why? Because they're not famous people. Well, they're not famous, and they also don't get blown up on like TV spots, and they don't make a big yeah. deal out of it being a pro am. The Pebble event is all about that. It's it's only yeah. been about that forever. Bing Crosby. So, right? and I guess maybe that's part of the problem, right? I think maybe that's part of, that's partly why it seems diminished is because it had this Bing Crosby star power legacy. This was the place to be. This was like where celebs wanted to to see and be seen and top players wanted to be there accordingly. And now to have this look of, oh, the weather's bad, so they're cutting play short, so guys are withdrawing before they finish their third round i get why it's a bad look but i also think that's the reality of the situation and also the drone shots still look sick yeah i'm so fine with pebble being pebble and it existing and its little spot between tory and phoenix when things start to get really real and you know what like i think the players that play at pebble actually have a really good time especially the ones that don't have to play at Pebble, like Joel Damon, right? He plays with Ben Rector, and they seem to have an absolute blast. I imagine Joel's just going to have a good time with just about anybody. But the point is, Joel doesn't have to play Pebble. He just had a kid. <laughs> He's going to be playing in Phoenix next week. He's literally where he lives. He doesn't have to go to, to Monterey to play, but he really in, actually enjoys it and has a blast. Spieth, uh, I imagine, kind of feels obligated to play for AT&T, but he plays with Jake Owen every <laughs> Maybe year. Maybe more than feels, but yeah. <laughs> but he really likes it. And I think I think we need to start treating it as more of uh, a cute little event 
than the implied significance that it has long had because, well, Phil wanted a bunch. Arnold Palmer used to play with Bing Crosby and like cherished it. That's in the past. <laughs> we can move yeah. on from that, still have Pebble be Pebble and um, still be very, very fun to watch with. Well, yeah. And we're also burying the probably the lead here, which is, hey, look, next year, there's a good chance this is an elevated event. A lot of these top guys are supposed to play here anyway because they've, you know, played in the Saudi International last year. And part of that was like a make good of, okay, you have to play Pebble Beach sometime in the next couple of years. Yeah. There are a fair number of interests that could point this in the direction of being an elevated event. There's been plenty of chatter about it. I don't know for sure where that currently stands. There's a lot of, there's a lot of noise right now too around the Austin event, like the, there's sure. starting to there will soon be a little bit more clarity on next year on how many events that will be on how different the schedule lo- will look um but yeah for now i wouldn't think too much i wouldn't worry too much about the hand wringing um about the pebble beach problem i think you enjoy it for what it is or you don't watch it and then i think the pga tour's real hope um is that you watch next week and i i want to get to that in a second all right, that brings us to up and down, our favorite new-ish segment still. <laughs> Sean, who is down this week? Down is all the people that I'm disappointed in talking about the PGA Tour live Ryder Cup style match play BS that you took part in, so you're also down this week. Uh, <laughs> I do feel I feel some residual guilt here. Uh, yeah, well, you continue, and then I'll defend myself. Basically, this has been the kind of thing that's been stewing about in the hypothetical minds of all golf fans, because there is a civil war, and what would be better than to have the two sides of the civil war actually battle? Which, yeah, um, in a perfect fake fantasy world, yeah, maybe that would be fun. We don't live in a fake fantasy world. We live in a world where these sides are suing each other, where Tiger has no interest in even shaking Phil Mickelson's hand, let alone captaining a team against him, um, where people are are kind of spouting off back and forth all the time. And it's in zero, it, it is not in the tour's best interest. It's also kind of not in, it's not necessarily in Liv's best interest to take part in this thing either. Um, but it's definitely not in the PGA Tour's best interest to do it. So it's not going to happen, which is why I was so annoyed that people were running away with, oh my gosh, like that would be so much fun. The ratings would be better than the Masters. It would be better than the real Ryder Cup. Phil Mickelson's tweeting about, you know, just kind of talking smack and how uh, the live players would obviously beat all the PGA Tour players, which is egregiously wrong. Um, so yeah, that that's just a... It's down because it's a stupid topic. It's not going to happen. And I think the fact that journalists were taking part in it, yourself included, makes people think it maybe could come a reality. I feel bad for... Phil was kind of chattering about it. And then I just put out like, okay, here's what those lineups would look like. And uh, I thought it was kind of just an interesting way to like look at the talent level on each side. It was definitely a reminder that Liv does have some top heavy names for sure. Like there are some, there are some names. And if you rewind a few years, the names on top of the live group would actually, you know, 
they would actually have a a fair shake against the uh, the PGA Tour guys. But for the most part, I just w- thought it was interesting to kind of put one up against the other. I didn't really. I quickly felt bad that I had contributed to this firestorm because it's not going to happen. Uh, I'm not <laughs> sure it would be good if it did happen. I guess it would be kind of fun if there was just a winner take all, loser disbands their tour situation. That would be kind of cool. Um, but short of that, <laughs> it's, way it's too just high kind of stakes. a silly exercise. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I mean, that's where your master's ratings would come from. Uh, up for me are the uh, Everton Football Club, the Toffees, my Toffees, Dylan. Everton FC beat Arsenal, the top team in the Premier League this week, 1-0 to on Saturday morning. And I was uh, DMing with Tommy Fleetwood's caddy, Finno. Wow, uh, I was going to say, is this just a... Yeah, this is a long game to get Finno on the drop zone. Yes, uh, Finno, love him. He's he's uh, his accent is kind of tough to work through. So it's great when we can just mm. DM and it's all in very uh, clean English. <laughs> um, but Finno's a huge Everton fan. We talk about Everton all the time. Tommy Fleetwood is also a huge Everton fan, um, and this was the biggest victory in like for the club all year. And uh, came on the back of a managerial uh, firing and hiring. So we're in a good spot, right? We feel like we're in a good spot right now. And uh, we play Liverpool this week. So this is all right. Where I thought sometimes you were going a soccer club. <laughs> soccer sometimes, club podcast. Yeah. Sorry about that. Where I thought you were going with this was uh, I thought you were going to take us to St. Andrews to discuss the Swilkin Bridge. So I'd like you to take <sighs> us there now. Okay. Dylan, did you. Did you walk on the Swilkin Bridge when you were in St. Andrews this summer? I did. I have actually I have a photo of me standing on on the Swilkin Bridge, yes. Who'd you take the photo with? Just myself. Actually, it wasn't even a posed photo. I was just walking over it, enjoying it, and a friend of the show, Muhammad, works for the PGA Tour, uh snapped a kind of a live action shot. What's the photo look like? It's just kind of me on the bridge holding my arms out looking like a cheese ball. <laughs> Oh, my whole point with the Swilkin Bridge controversy is that if you don't know what happened, the St. Andrews Lynx Trust that lords over the golf courses in St. Andrews that always has the best thoughts in mind for making it uh, uh, the perfect place to, you know, play the most memorable golf of your life. They decided that in response to crazy demand for photos, crazy foot traffic on either side of the bridge, that they needed to do something. Because you know what? It started to kind of like become a bit of an eyesore. The few steps you would take right before the bridge. It was getting a little muddy. It was getting a little muddy. Or in the summer when things were dry, it was kind of dirty and getting kicked up and the grass was wearing away. The turf didn't look that great. And some people love that because it kind of gives off um, this rustic vibe and the bridge itself is a rustic thing. But for sake of this landmark, this iconic landmark, maintaining its looks for all the photos that it, you could ever take of it, the thousands upon thousands upon thousands of photos that are taken every single year, they added a pathway, a stone pathway, a very simple stone pathway that at the at the moment, it looks just it looks a little bit big and people are freaking out about it. Um, I see you have a nice little logo. Putting on my St. Andrews 
old coarse hat over here. Which I've got to take off a sticker from actually because I've never worn it. But people freaked out on social media, and that was unsurprising because in their mind, the bridge will always remain the bridge and be untouched forever. But what they don't realize, Dylan, and as you know, I lived in St. Andrews this summer, is that people stand there all day long, every single day, 365 days a year. People take photos on that bridge at 6 a.m. They take photos on that bridge at 11 p.m. People will take photos on that bridge at 2 in the morning when they're stumbling home from the Jigger Inn. Like the foot traffic- Sounds like you're speaking from experience there. Not not at all. (laughs) The foot traffic is insane. Uh, and it's within their right to just do something about it. And Sundays, right? No one plays golf on the old course on Sundays. People stand in line to take their photos on Sundays. Dogs, like, all right, run around in yeah, this yeah. area. So, <laughs> so what did they? What did they do? What did they insert here? A stone pathway. I already told you that. It's okay. And and what's your what's your takeaway that it's fine? Yeah. It's fine because you want to know what you want. When you stand on the crest of that bridge, you want the photo of the RNA over your right shoulder and the Hamilton Grand Hotel over your left shoulder. And you want beneath your feet the crest of the bridge. And you want nothing more. Maybe you want the sun shining. Maybe you want the grass to be green or you want it to be baked out and yellow. But you don't give a damn about the steps before you get on the bridge. So stop worrying about what happens before you get on the bridge. Crop your photos nicely so you get everything you want and don't worry about the pathway. I thought it was a bad angle. I thought that the bridge got a little bit done dirty. The patio got a little bit. It wasn't a great look. I think that from a different perspective, it wouldn't have looked as bad as it ended up looking. Yeah. And let me tell you, it's going to look better in a month. And then a month after that, it's going to look better. Growing season is about to take place in the spring at St. Andrews. The grass is going to eventually get kicked up onto the pathway. It's going to get dirtied, and there are going to be steps all over it. And suddenly, we're going to be here four or five years from now. We're going to be wondering, wait, was there always just a stone pathway here? It's going to happen. It's going to become normalized. So get over it. I like the idea of you sort of rallying to be the local voice on uh, on all things St. Andrews. This is this is how I picture like it's like Nick Faldo going to the Bozeman town meeting is what I hope happens here. Local expert Sean Zock chiming in. Um, Sean, I appreciate your thoughts. Who's up for you? Up for me, Sean. The Waste Management Phoenix Open. This one's pretty obvious. Actually, yeah, we're just calling it the WM Phoenix Open. It's next up, literally, and it is up, up. What we were talking about before of uh, whether we should be worried about Pebble or not. This is one I guess you should be worried about. This is where the PGA Tour is actually putting its new product to the test. This is uh, the beginning of the new PGA Tour in my mind. You've got all the best guys on tour, except for Adam Scott because he (laughs) forgot to sign up, and Will Zalatoris because I don't know why, actually. Uh, Pretty much everyone else is playing this one. And the Super Bowl's in town. And the Netflix show is about to come out, which we'll get to later. Um, But there are a lot of factors in play that mean people should be tuning in to the action at TPC Scottsdale this weekend. Hopefully that means that people will watch the tournament. Um, Hopefully that means, yeah, ratings will be high. The vibe will be good. People will buy tickets. It'll be a whole scene. Um, I don't think we'll 
We may not see shirtless players like we did last year, but this is the biggest party on tour. So the fact that it's coinciding with all of these big time things, it should, if all goes well, be a big time victory for the PGA Tour. I think the pressure is on for that to happen, but I also think it probably will happen, especially if there's a good competitive tournament leading into the Super Bowl just down the road. Yeah, generally the leaderboard at this event has has produced some really good uh, outcomes down the stretch. Like last year, Brooks Kepka kind of came out of nowhere, chased down Saad Thigala, and then suddenly we were left with Patrick Cantlay, top 10 player in the world, trying to fend off Scotty Scheffler, who became number one because of his victory at that event. Um, in the past, we've had Finau uh, play in a playoff against Webb Simpson. That was really invigorating. Um, it's If we could get Rory to play really well, which presume that he will do and John Rom to play very well. Like suddenly you have these players that have been like circling each other and not really facing off. If they meet in the middle uh, at the first, first big, big, big designated event of the year, it's really um, the, the first step in a, a, the, the obvious right direction for the PGA tour during a season when it's going to have competition, man. Like I, I have a feeling that we could have, this very odd thing happened where you have PGA tour designated events. We get such a buzz out of them and we go to Genesis and get a real buzz out of it. And then we have to step back and be like, okay, what's next? It's the Honda classic or oh wait, live. And people will watch live that first week. What's new about live? Mm -hmm. Mayakoba used to be a PGA. And so like, there's going to be this ebb and flow of kind of like a teeter totter effect of this season when Liv is playing during the PGA Tour's down weeks and the PGA Tour is playing on Liv's off weeks uh, with its best players and they're going to meet in the middle at the majors, like it, it will feel like competition. And so when you have the mic, you got to do something with it. Like remember when Liv had its first event during the Canadian Open and Greg Norman uh, had a ceremony after Charles Schwartzel won, like, thumped his chest they promised if anyone shot 54 they'd pay out 54 million dollars and greg norman said they couldn't they couldn't stop us and then the next day it was rory beating jt and Finau in canada and the fans swarming the 18th fairway and that was the pga tour's response they grabbed the mic and said no 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 no, no. we run pro golf and so i just i anticipate that kind of back and forth happening and next week is our first chance to see how loud they can yell. Yeah, God, all of that is going to be so interesting to see how it plays out. But yeah, I think this is the first step to seeing, okay, is the is the extra demand for a great PGA Tour product there? Um, and then we'll sort out the rest of the stuff about what the demand will be like when there's two stroke play big time events going on at the same time on the same weekends. Uh, we'll, we'll cross that Swilkin Bridge down the road a little bit. Um, what's down for me, Sean, is actually something that is up, and that is Aaron Rodgers' handicap allegedly playing off a 10 at the Pebble Beach Pro-Am this week. How about Aaron Rodgers' and attitude is up, though? No surprise. they He and, and uh, teammate Ben Silverman opened 62-60 and went on to win. They shot 67 in the third round. Um, I mean, if anyone that has watched him play in those matches would not say that this man is a 10 handicap. Ben Silverman missed the cut and they still won the, 
the team event. So I would call that suspect. I don't know if you want to defend your uh, Packers quarterback or or not. I I wish I could go harder for my boy. Um, you know, you don't have to. Well, you, the thing you, is, you know, I think I think what happened is that Aaron doesn't play during the season, or at least, you know, he promises that he doesn't play. He's living in Green Bay. You can't really play up there um, in, like, November, December, January. Um, but he missed the playoffs this year. He hasn't been playing. So he's probably logging some rounds. Said he played Cypress and kind of had his his lunch money taken from him there. Um, I think he played at uh, maybe Spanish Bay or Spyglass and had his uh, his handicap boosted a little bit. He, he played a couple crappy rounds to just juice the handicap and also people are are overlooking the fact that it's uh you know course adjusted too like everyone's mm. handicap is going to be inflated in that event right a little bit i guess i don't know there's yeah. some there's a little bit of witchcraft happening because the thing is i don't think it's not like they set up the it's not like they're tipping these guys out either like the the ams i would imagine are playing a relatively reasonable golf yeah. course to be fair rogers has never he he only i think this was his seventh time playing and his first five times he missed the cut then last year he made the cut with max homa then this year he wins that's a little suspect but maybe he's just getting better at performing under pressure you know yeah and he may not be a stroke play guy so like this just might be a really dangerous format for him uh kyle porter said it it's unlike rogers to take so many shots which made me chuckle um sean let's move on to our final segment of the drop zone rec league <laughs> we're talking netflix we we've seen some we've seen some episodes the pga tour show is finally here the pga the tour the professional golf netflix show is here um i i i think we're gonna dive into this deeper once you guys have had a chance to watch it but I think in the meantime, we'll just each tell you one thing that uh, that you can be watching out for once episodes start dropping one week from today. Do you think, should people be watching out for you? Yes. They did <laughs> not. I had sort of convinced myself that, that, yeah, I'd done these interviews for them, but maybe they would have just cut all those scenes. They did not. I have made it into the show. Uh, you will see my mug. You might, you might have uh, more airtime than any other pro golfer in the show. <laughs> You're, <laughs> more, you're the pro more consistent the i guess i mean uh, you'll notice i have a couple different haircuts that appear throughout mm, the show right. that kind of cut back and forth between the two yeah you show a little um, chest too i look a little sleepier in one of the shots than the other i noticed also now you're just but um yeah yeah no sorry this is guess what it's like to watch yourself on screen it was really fun on honestly very exciting to see myself on there so to be earnest i'm a little bit I'm a little bit nervous to be on the old Netflix platform just because I feel like that's a that's a potential large audience, but also very honored to be included and excited about that. So I hope uh, you guys like watching me on there. All right. So what was the one thing that you wanted to tell people about besides that? Because that's not that interesting. I wanted to just say, get ready for some waterworks because they're of the main characters in this show. A lot of them cry. A lot of them end up crying. You really see the emotions of professional golf. Um, and I think that that's a pretty cool thing. There's one pro in particular. I don't know if I want to 
say who right now, but just there's just several different moments throughout the episode that you just realize this is an emotional roller coaster on the PGA Tour, especially when things are going really well or really poorly. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess especially when one of those things happens right after the other. So everybody cries. That's one uh, thing to watch for. I should have spoke before you did because that's what I was going to say. Uh, it is oh, a man. it's a huge exercise in seeing emotion from players that we don't typically get in our day to day. As a journalist, we ask these guys a lot of the same questions that they were asked by the Netflix crew. And because of the setting in which the questions are being asked for us, it's a press conference in front of a bunch of people, you know, for them, you know, Brooks Koepka is being asked questions at his house. Uh, it changes how the, the, the depth of the answers go and how they are delivered. Um, but I just felt that the show being able to do that is the only thing you need to know to convince you to watch it because sure we've seen tony finau get emotional on the pga tour like in uh, post game interviews but this then then you actually get to understand the context why you know like netflix had a really uh, or the you know the box to box staff had a really significant <laughs> uh hurdle to clear to cover golf like it's never been covered before which requires you to be in so many places all at once, theoretically. It's it's almost an impossible hurdle to clear. Um, thankfully, they had so much time to do it, months and months to go to various events. And um, but they they impressed me how many places they were able to get to because in order to do golf right, you have to be in a million different places. Whereas, like you know, the tennis one, um, which is very similar in nature all the all the matches are happening in the same city uh they're all happening basically in the same city block (laughs) and that's not to say that golf isn't happening in the same city block but if you're not if you're if your camera is not fixed on uh tony finau's reaction to holding out on the third hole then you just have to use what golf channel shot and I just the balance of like sh- shots from new angles compared to, you know, the golf as we see it was so was so good that you almost don't even notice it. It feels like a feature film. And so I really enjoyed mm-hmm. that. It's definitely a, a show made for a broad audience, general audience, not necessarily like golf fans specifically, but it is definitely cool for people that are golf fans that have been keyed into these events. I mean, for the two of us being there in person, like having, having good front row seats to some of these events, seeing different angles, seeing how Netflix captured them, then seeing the players reactions later to those moments is pretty cool. Um, I think one of my favorite parts, probably my favorite part of the whole thing is just the way it captures just how differently guys approach life as professional golfers. I think it does a really good job of highlighting. There are a lot of different ways to get it done. Uh, there are a lot of different successful approaches that work. And so, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll really unpack it next week. Post Super Bowl. Sean, do you have an early Super Bowl lean, by the way? I will not, Save that for later I will this not week. pick against 
I think can we call him a friend of the program? Oh yeah, friend of the yeah. program. Patrick Mahomes. Jalen Hurts. <laughs> no. Just kidding. Never met Jalen Hurts. Look, you wrote a story about Pat Mahomes, feature story. You hung out with him and Kelsey a little bit. You played catch with him. I played catch with the greatest quarterback who ever lived. There's a closet behind <laughs> me, actually, that has the that football that we that we you threw want me to sign with it? Patrick Mahomes. I'll sign <laughs> I would it for love you. if you could if you could sign the football next time you're in Seattle. Uh, if you could sign the football that, that you threw around with Patrick Mahomes, even if you short hopped him a couple times. Oh my God. See, okay. Look, this, that video is old now. It had its time in, in the sun on social media. People flamed me, but they did not realize that I was throwing uphill one. And, um, yeah, I think that's the mm. only thing I have to say. It was probably what? 30 yard toss. I thought you had a different excuse. I thought you were like, you were like unsure if he even wanted to like catch a fully thrown football in the air or no, something. But I was, it was, it was, sure. it, we were playing catch. He was on a tee box that was going downhill to the fairway and I was yeah. throwing uphill. And, um, also there was camera equipment everywhere and I was just trying to, just trying to place it. You know how, like when someone is, um, like a pitcher in like high school is like there's throwing and then there's aiming. Well, I was like yes. aiming it and, and, and he, yeah, he, yeah. He, and I was not throwing it. But Understandable. Hey, uh, my main memory from that day was like warming him up because we did a little thing where he was throwing the football and warming him up was, uh, I definitely just had the experience of when the ball comes out of his hand, it comes lower than you would expect because it's just on a more direct yeah. line. Like yeah. it's just going, it's just traveling a straight line from his hand to your hand. There's not a lot of arcing happening. So Also, um, I will say this, it was wet conditions and I was in like, sneakers all right all right we're good we're good on that <laughs> folks if you've made it this long god we appreciate you um the zonies and we've got a big couple weeks coming up sean you are going to be on the ground in phoenix in scottsdale and then on the ground in pacific palisades at the mm. genesis so we've got wm phoenix open we've got riv week we'll have some interviews for you we're gonna have a whole bunch of good stuff on the drop zone uh keep tuning in all right folks we'll see you later this week <laughs>